Scouser here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we go on a Viking raid with Robert Eggers' highly anticipated Hamlet ripoff, The Northmen. Then we kick off our Cage Fest marathon with the unbearable weight of massive talent. We'll give a breakdown of this week's physical media releases and give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. And then we'll wrap everything up with our patented fill-in-the-blank game, TFR Libs. Let's get this show started with a clip from The Northmen. You behold your brother's gaze in amazement. I knew well you would. Pity you never paid a bastard's eyes heed before. Now, behold how swiftly your brother swings his sword. Strike, brother. Strike. But know that bearing a stolen ring makes no half-breed a king. Soaked in my blood, twill soon be sliding off your arm like a serpent. Your kingdom will not last. Let this misdeed haunt your living nights. Till a flaming vengeance gorgeous on your death. I have to admit, Matt, I'm, I'm almost disappointed in you. Why? With your declaration of this Hamlet chain, this this kind of Hamlet turn for this film, because that's not what it's based off. In fact, I've, I've thought you would know this. Maybe you do, and you're just being... Okay, you do. Okay, do. that's good. I'm just being facetious. That's good, because there were some people online doing that. And like Even I was like, wait a minute, this isn't technically Hamlet, because Shakespeare based Hamlet on this, this? story. Yeah. So, all right, well, then what is this all about then, Matt? I, I apologize for besmirching your yeah, please. Uh, knowledge there. Don't, don't besmirch my literature bona fides, man. It's the one thing I bring to the table. Yeah, so this is um, the story of a young prince named Amleth. Um, his father comes back from raiding lands afar, um, and he is witness to his father's murder by his um, uncle, and he manages to avoid capture and he rides off into the sunset declaring that he will kill his uncle Fjolnir, rescue his mother, and uh, reclaim his kingdom. So Matt, I know we're not, you and I were both really looking forward to this film. We're both big fans of Robert Eggers' previous films. Were you able to do your Eggers-a-thon? I sadly only got a chance to watch The Vich. Mm-hmm. I did not get a chance to watch The Lighthouse. How did you do in that Yeah, I endeavor? did. I managed to catch up with both of them. Um, Fantastic. He's got a style, you know? He's definitely, he's still definitely, as after watching this film, I think you're starting to be able to say, you know what? This is a Robert Eggers movie. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of great things about that. So I think one of our more anticipated films of the year, big, bombastic kind of Viking revenge film, violence, gore, you know, sign me up, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not really what we got. What are your thoughts, you so? at least for me? Not so much. So okay. let's start them out. What are your thoughts on The Northman? Did you enjoy it? Because I think clearly the way I'm talking, I had some issues with it. Well, I I mean, I guess I'll just flat out bury, you know, spoil it here, but I loved it. It'll never happen again, but Robert Eggers was given quite a bit of money to make this film, um, way more than his budgets that he's had in the past. 
And I think it really shows. I, like I said, mm. I don't think it is ever going to happen again. But I loved, you know, the kind of not glossing over the, like, more unsavory aspects of, of Viking culture because they're not really a culture to be admired, really. Um, I mean, you can be interested in them and, and, and respect what they did, but, you know, I really appreciated that kind of, like, dirty look at it. And I also really loved, like, just the sweeping visuals and that kind of undercurrent or through line of the supernatural, right? Like, these people thought that the supernatural was real. So I like how they play it to where it seems like all of those things are definitely happening. I love the kind of dreamlike and kind of uh, uh, nightmarish psychedelic qualities of it. I I really liked a lot about this. I mean, it's not completely about its flaws, but I think it is overall incredibly successful for what it set out to do. Okay. So I will say that I think that Eggers is fantastic at world building. Everything feels authentic, and his attention to detail with this stuff as a young director, I think, is perhaps unrivaled. I think there are parts of the Northmen that basically are just a technical marvel. Mm-hmm. He and it looks fantastic. He has these gorgeous shots of these roving lands. I think the whole thing was basically shot in different parts of Ireland. Uh, you have the period clothing, you have the set designs, right? All of this stuff. But I think my issue with the film is that I feel like he's trapped by his ambition to honestly tell this legendary folk tale. I think he's so determined, Matt. To faithfully represent the world around him and everything that's happening, that he, I think he suffers a bit from two things pacing issues and a distinct lack of emotional investment. Uh, I did not at any point have any real investment in what was happening with this film. I think that maybe, I wonder if it's a failure of Skarsgård, that the boiling rage that supposedly is barely kept in check never comes across to me, no matter how many times he howls and contorts his face, screaming in anger. And when he's channeling these, what the bear wolf, that is his namesake. Or perhaps it's the pacing of it, where I wonder if we spend so too much time with MLF trying to subvert his uncle's, what? fiefdom whatever it is a little because i think one of the more interesting things is unlike hamlet that his uncle is exposed for who he is and what happened Mm -hmm. and he loses all of his power and he loses his kingdom and basically he just runs a farm now Mm -hmm. right and he becomes obsessed basically introducing kind of these supernatural elements to potentially make well make them think that they've been cursed right and though i think it's interesting i think that kind of segment maybe runs a little too long and I, I wonder if my lack of engagement with this thing, as I said, is a failure of Skarsgård. Now, I, I think everything I've seen him in now, I think I'm at a point where I may be underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Skarsgård in this thing? Is, is it maybe is I'm trying to think of that my issue, or do you think maybe for me it's like Eggers again, fantastic job building this world, but I feel like maybe we lost track of any real, I think, investment for the audience member, at least for me. That's interesting. I mean, I think, I think it's very um, intentional, right? So if you take what he did in the witch, right? He, he presented a authentic speech pattern for these colonial um, Americans. And I think he's doing that here, but since this is so far back and the culture is so different, it almost feels alien to you, right? Like it doesn't feel like these are real people because I didn't dislike Skarsgård's performance. I feel like it was a very intentional kind of 
this is a stylistic choice of how would these people speak, how they kind of interact, what their beliefs are. Mm -hmm. And it feels very foreign to us. So I think maybe you had a difficult, harder time approaching it possibly, but I don't think that like, I didn't get the impression that I wasn't buying his performance at all. In fact, I thought his rage quote unquote was if anything, if it was un convincing i felt like it was intentional because it felt like he was trying to barely keep it together as he went slowly slowly more and more over the edge as far as being nuts goes kind of like you know another play that a certain seen. danish prince yeah exactly I, I guess and maybe it's my own fault maybe i'm going in this thinking i'm gonna get this rip-roaring viking revenge film that from start to finish is just this roller coaster ride and maybe that's on me but for it just lacked propulsion to me mm. it lacked any real momentum to me and then what i do is i think about and i appreciate what i'm about to say nwr's valhalla rising with mads mickelson mm-hmm. now that film is insane okay and i think that is like an lsd revenge kind of crazy trip and mads is all in on that thing and i love valhalla rising and i think i would actually recommend that over this if that's if you want that kind of crazy ass viking revenge picture Uh then that i think would be a better fit than this i think this is a little more contemplative than i anticipated i think that there are so i said maybe matt it's on me i think that he's spending more time though again Again, beautifully sculpting this world that I feel maybe that some of the other story beats and some of the other stuff took a backseat to all of that. I mean, because you can feel Eggers' fingerprints all over this thing, which mm-hmm. is when you watch The Witch, when you watch The Lighthouse. It's just that, like, even the big set piece at the end, Matt, with the fight at the, the mouth of the volcano, right? For me, I feel like that should be, like, an all-time sequence. Like, that should, like, be burned into my retinas as being this insane cataclysmic type event but it never quite came together for me it never gelled for me at all i which is weird because i'm not gonna say i didn't enjoy the film i did i think there's a lot to appreciate in this film and my score may be higher than you think what i'm about to see you know the one i'm talking about Mm -hmm. i just think that i don't know it just let me left me a little lacking yeah yeah i mean to your comment i'll I'll address the i don't want to spoil anything but i think that the 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 final fight was the way it was presented was intentional, just kind of based off of sure. what has happened. Um, and what are these two guys fighting over at this point kind of thing? Is it really yeah. earth shattering? It's just personal stakes um, and pride. I don't know. Like I, I'm a little disappointed. I disagree with you, I think. And that's okay. I think that doesn't really happen very often. I think I got exactly what I expected into it. I didn't go into mm-hmm. it thinking I was going to get some rip-roaring tale of bloody revenge, um, a la, you know, Kill Bill or something. But right. I thought I got a kind of cold, alien, weird, and if I dare say it, Nordic film that I was expecting to get. And I, I really liked it. And then... And there's all these things in it that are just, you know, stomach churning and and just awful. And it's just everything about it is just awful. And I, I but I, in a way that I loved it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just the weird one here. No, you know, I think you might be right. When I think about The Witch and I think about Lighthouse, that makes sense. Those films have a very particular voice, as this does as well. And you're right. It does kind of fit into that catalog 
So, like I said from the beginning, this is probably just on me, and maybe I had a different expectation of what I'd be walking into with mm-hmm. this thing. It's certainly sold that way, I think, in the trailers, right. um, which is not Edgar's fault. So, if there's even a fault to be had. So, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I still, there's a lot to enjoy, and you're right. Maybe if I ruminate on this, Matt, if I think about this a little more and watch it again, I will come around to that. I will buy this. Yeah. I think that I will. I do want to revisit it. Uh, they have announced a UHD, which I'm very thankful for. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I ended up giving the Northman a B-. minus. Did you? I gave it an A. I loved it. I thought it was Ooh. really good. That might be the farthest we've been apart in like six months. Yeah, yeah. That's good. It's good to have, to have a little bloodletting every now and then. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true. So uh, if you had a chance to see The Northman, which is currently playing in theaters everywhere, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, May 3rd, is a film by Pixar that was released, I guess, just on Disney+. And it supposedly is excellent. Breakfast is ready. Mm. No sugar. Coming. Mm, porridge. Chills, constipation. Wait, is it that? Did the did the red peony bloom? No. Maybe. <gasps> so Matt, that is turning red. The latest film from Pixar, again ex- premiering exclusively on Disney Plus. There's a little bit of controversy about this too. That the first Pixar film to feature, I guess, what mostly an Asian cast with an Asian kind of tale, mm-hmm. is then just kind of some people say unceremoniously dumped on the streaming channel. You have Disney Plus. Did you catch up with Turning Red? I haven't. Um, I haven't seen it, but it's it's strange because they Disney's been seeing to do that a lot lately. Because there was Encanto, which is a Disney film, which I did finally see, which is actually pretty good. Although I'm not convinced Lin Manuel Miranda can write a good song. Um, and then <laughs> the uh, the wasn't the one before that the Pixar movie before this wasn't that also quickly put onto Disney Plus? If yeah, not immediately. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, Luca, I think, was that yeah, a Pixar film? Yeah, that went straight to Disney Plus too. Yeah is 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 Disney trying to kind of slowly snuff out Pixar at this point? Is that what's going on? Well, like I said, Encanto went straight to Disney+, Plus, but it was not a Pixar film. I think with the success of the bad guys, I think you'll start seeing them part start putting their stuff back out in theaters again. Okay. Yeah, could be. Maybe that's just all it is, too. Man, what about that, too? I guess Northman does not perform well at all. You had made a comment, too, about Eggers not getting that kind of budget again. Yeah. I think that's, I think, a real concern because I would like to see him what he could do again with another film, though. Maybe his style doesn't appeal to a mass audience. He also went up against two other films this week, too. So I'm not sure what that means in the end. Maybe people may be looking too much into the performance of The Northman, though it did do better, I think, on a Monday than it did on the weekends. Okay. uh, Which was interesting. So they should have pushed it back this week because. 
there's some not a lot of competition this upcoming yeah, week. Yeah. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, so now that we've talked about the Northmen again, let's talk about <laughs> Turning Red. Uh, Target is releasing an art edition with some stickers. There is a steelbook from Best Buy as well. Audio commentaries, three featurettes, six deleted scenes, and an Easter egg deleted scene as well. Speaking of Liam Neeson, also coming up is Blacklight, his latest film that came out last month, which is, what's the term of art? Not good. Uh, I don't know if I would bother watching that one. Also coming up is a physical release of Amazon's Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. This is the uh, Michael B. Jordan action revenge film. I have not caught up with that, Matt. Did you check out Without Remorse yet? I haven't, no. I tend to stay steer clear of... It, you know Tom Clancy films that have don't have Harrison Ford or Alec Baldwin. In it. That's probably a smart idea. I think I don't watch a lot of Amazon content. Out of all the streaming channels, that's probably the one I watch the least. Mm. Also being released is Mr. Jones, featuring Vanessa Kirby and Peter Skarsgård. A Welsh journalist breaks the news in the Western media of the famine in the Soviet Union in the early 30s. DC Animated Universe is releasing Constantine: The House of Mystery where I guess Constantine anchors a bunch of new animated shorts featuring Commande, uh, The Last Boy on Earth, The Losers, and Blue Beetle. King Otto is being released. It's a film set in the summer of 2004 as audience looked down in disbelief as a Greek national football team, I'm assuming soccer, a country that has never previously won a single match in a major tournament, takes down the giants of world football to become the unlikeliest of European champions. American Reject is being released as well. This is a... How do we put it? I'll, I'll just read it. K is the most recent reject from America's hottest singing competition, Pop Star Now. As she mourns her public elimination match, she's forced to participate in the networks after the cut filming and is sent to her hometown to move back in with her mother and the simple life she left behind. With nothing on the horizon and a cameraman following her move, She's reacquainted with, reacquainted, reacquainted, and in their lives, and with their lives. She's reacquainted with her past and friends in her nurse town's kind of annual Easter spectacular. So it turns out, Matt, losing is her only way to win. Hallmark is releasing the first part of the much vaunted trilogy this past year, The Wedding Veil which I watched with uh, Mrs. First Run. She's a big fan. The first installment um, is com- is being released. I don't remember which one this is. This is with, uh, you think, Lacey, I think, is in this one. Uh, Mrs. First Run likes the Lacey ones. Okay. And then Allison Jan, not Allison Janney, Allison something. Anyway, Wedding Veil, Hallmark, first one of three. New to Blu-ray, Paramount is releasing Paris When It Sizzles, the Audrey Hepburn and William Holden classic. Kino Lorber is releasing Sacco Vanzetti. The story of two anarchists who are charged and unfairly tried for murder, what is really for their political convictions. The UHD release, Matt, this week is Smoking Aces, Joe Carnahan's film. There's a steelbook from Best Buy, includes some deleted and extended scenes, some outtakes, uh, the cowboy ending, and more. Uh, also includes some feature commentaries. Man, I remember not being a real fan of this film. Then I looked at the cast. There's actually a lot of big heavy hitters in this thing, and I've been wondering if I should revisit it. Uh, I don't know. Do you remember Smoking Aces at all? Yes, I do. Um, it's not great. I think I own it on DVD. I think I managed to like pick it up for like a couple bucks somewhere. And it's got its moments. It does have a delightfully unhinged Jason Bateman in it. Um, but uh, it's it, if it's worth it, watched on the cheap, maybe, as a flyer. There you go. Your straight to DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with Dinosaur World from Shout Factory. The best players from around the world, Matt, are gathered to be Russell's Lab Rats on his new game, Anything Can Happen. 
Everyone has their eyes on the prize, which will give them a second chance at life. Greed will take over friendship, allies will become enemies, and the unexpected will come with every move you make in this made-up world infested with dinosaurs. Only one can come up triumphant. Matt, there can be only one. What should we be streaming this week? All right, so I'm going to recommend a TV series, and this is one that Chris often says I'll add it to the list, and he's he never going to watch any of this stuff. But he has to watch this one. And if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it too. Um, the third season of um, Bill Hader's black comedy, Barry, mm. came out on HBO Max uh, this past week. Um, if you haven't seen it, it is basically about a hitman who has a crisis of faith and decides that what he needs to do is become an actor to kind of give himself some self-fulfillment. Um, stars Henry Winkler as well. It is dark and it's funny and it's violent and it's great. And I'm really looking forward to uh, catching up with this third season. I've been waiting for it for a long time. Yeah, I really got to put that list together. I listen, I haven't watched Better Call Saul yet. And they've dropped three episodes. That's how behind I am on all this stuff. It's terrible. Though I have watched all but one of the new Law and Orders, because that's, you know, one of my all-time favorite shows. <laughs> and let me tell you, folks, it is not good. Uh, yeah, but you're sticking with it, it for now. It's very... Well, I like Jeffrey Donovan a mm. lot, mm-hmm. who's on the show, but Karen, Cameron Manheim is horribly miscast. Uh, like Anthony Anderson's back was good. It's always nice to see Sam Waterston kind of still, you know, doing his, his Jack McCoy in much smaller, you know, bits now, unfortunately. Right. But the problem is the show is like horribly overwritten yeah and it tries to be topical and it's just so bad yeah i think the actors are doing the best they can but this show it's a shadow of what it was and it's so disappointing to watch it at this point so maybe it'll come around again i don't i don't know who knows just very very depressing all right i did some work matt so normally pull clips from the movies we're about to talk about Mm -hmm. right and that's how we introduced the film. But we're not going to do this for Cage Fest. We are very, very excited for Cage Fest. And we're kicking it off this week with the unbearable weight of massive talents. And I put a little treat together for everybody. And I think we'll do this at the front of every uh, part. So enjoy. I'm a vampire! 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 But don't you see? That's what she was there for. That was the plan. To give you a boner. <laughs> and you got one. Congratulations, you're human. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Oh, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Oh, no, my eyes! My eyes! Ah! How could somebody misfile something? What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You just put it in the right file according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, do you X, Y, Z? Huh? That's all you have to do. Very good. You know your alphabet. I never misfiled anything. Not once, not one time! I'd like to take his, his face off. How, in the name of Zeus's butthole, did you get out of your cell? Am I getting through to you? Over! What are you gonna do for me? What do you think I'm gonna do? 
I'm gonna save the fucking day. Wake up, son. I'll be taking these huggies and uh, whatever cash you got. I'm Nick fucking. And there you are, Matt. So I hope you enjoyed that little montage. I did. Thank you. Although of the best and worst. I but no no. No, they tore my shirt. I hope that makes up comes for next week. <laughs> I forgot about they tore my shirt. All right, we'll make sure we add that in. All right, it only took me a couple hours. Why not do it again? Matt? Sure, I'll add that just for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> beginning at Cage Fest, we're talking about the unbearable weight of massive talent, and I think it's likely going to be all downhill from here. The, the only theatrical release film we'll be discussing throughout mm-hmm. this entire marathon, our first marathon of 2022. The films of Nick Cage, but we're going to be focusing on, Matt, the straight-to-DVD stuff for the most part outside mm-hmm. of this entry. Right. We just wanted to kind of ease into things, you know, and uh, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> so uh, Nick Cage is in this kind of meta film where he's playing himself. Things are not going well in his career. And his agent, played by Neil Patrick Harris, says, I got, a, I got an idea. I got an option. A guy's willing to pay you a million dollars to show up at his birthday party and, you know, maybe read his script. And after a couple things go wrong, he ends up agreeing to do it. He goes over to Spain. And, of course, this character is played by Pedro Pascal. It turns out Pedro, though, may have some secrets of his own. Nick gets roped into some adventure daring thing by the CIA to keep an eye on Pascal. I don't want to spoil it, I guess. And, you know, things go absolutely crazy from there. Matt, what are your thoughts on the unbearable weight of massive talent? Is this the kind of action meta comedy that we've been waiting for, for Nick Cage, really to harness his abilities? (laughs) Or is it a bit of a missed opportunity? I don't know if it's what I was waiting for from Nick Cage. Um, I think I appreci- that would be pig. Yeah, probably. I, yeah, I think I appreciate that he did it though. I think I like the fact that Nick Cage, um, for all of his many very you know incredible highs in his career, leaving Las Vegas, Pig, uh, uh, you know, raising Arizona to some of his lows that conceivably we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. Um, so I uh, I like that he's able to kind of make fun of his own kind of self-serious persona, his kind of some of his overacting things. He kind of seems to do it in good fun. And I think the result here is actually quite entertaining. I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, it has some parts that not every joke lands, but I think it does enough right here to make it pretty fun. Yeah. I think my issue with the film is that it never surpasses its great idea. I imagine the pitch meeting this thing, you know, they're sitting around with cage and I imagine the whole thing is glorious and then we get, unfortunately, something that's much more straightforward than I had anticipated. And I couldn't help but be disappointed. Again, maybe I set myself up. And that's this whole week, Matt, as I set myself up for stuff that I didn't end up getting. I think the issue with this film is that it needs to be more mad. It needs to be more surreal. And it's, it's just not. Pedro, I think, is great, as always. I think Cage is having a blast. He's a delight to watch. 
but it's not some grand meta absurdist kind of comedy adventure that I thought it was going to be. In fact, there's a part in the film where it attempts to kind of mock itself for the exact film it ends up being. Right. And it tries to be meta about that map, but it ends up being more explanatory than it is kind of genre expectation bending. And it ends up being kind of a standard, earnest, buddy comedy adventure. And that's an enjoyable experience for sure. It's got flashes of greatness and some interesting ideas. I think his conversations with his younger persona version of himself, I think were always a lot of fun. That's the on the Nick F and Cage thing you just heard. That's from that kind of engagement. And anytime him and Pascal are together on the screen, it's like TGIF, you know, must-see TV kind of entertainment for me. I really kind of enjoyed their, their interactions together. But the whole project as a whole is slightly underbaked for me. I was underwhelmed. And perhaps, again, I built it up too much in my mind. But I don't know. I think in the end, it's still going to be the highlight of our marathon. <laughs> but I was just a little disappointed with it. There's enough here to recommend for you to enjoy it. Uh, it's just not the crazy thing that I anticipated and hoped it was going to be. Yeah, I think it does play a little straight in parts. I think there are kind of these flashes of this self-referential absurdism, and, but there, you're right. I don't think there's enough of that. I think it does play it too straight in some parts. I do think it is is um, maybe a little safe, but overall, mm, I, think it's, I think it's pretty entertaining. And I think... Uh, you know, I think it, like I said in the beginning, it does enough right to, to kind of warrant to recommend somebody look at it. Um, I'm really. Especially if you're a cage Exactly right. Especially if you are the Pedro Pascal of your relationships, if you're <laughs> really into Nick Cage. Um, although I, I, I am looking forward to next week's because have you watched the previews for any of these films that we're going to watch? Mm, only one of them, because I initially started to pull clips and yeah. i saw the one for i think revenge a love story okay you know why because i was going through um just watch to see where they were gotcha. to see if it changed since the last time we put our we put our list together like yeah. a month ago yeah uh and i watched a trailer for that and it looks dreadful <laughs> but that's all i know about any of them okay so the one we're coming up uh, i don't want to set your expectations too high but uh Nick Cage plays a guy who goes to Iraq or Afghanistan on a mission from God played by Russell Brand. And he does this insane kind of characterization. So it may, for better or worse, it may be more of what you expected this film to be um, as far as just batshit kind of stuff. It's supposed to be a comedy, though, with the next one, right? Yeah, it is. It is. I believe. Yeah. Okay. That Okay. <laughs> I don't really have much else to add in this thing, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough to I'm review comedies. It really is. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a B minus again. I'm being consistent here. Are you? Um, I think I liked it significantly more than Chris did. I gave it a B plus. Um, I think it's probably outside of Pig. It's probably his second best film he's done in a long time. So I think you know <laughs> that's. Uh, I think it's it's worth your time. Well, again, Pig is an A film, man. And it was, I actually picked up a couple Cage films because this was coming out. They had a sale on iTunes and I bought Pig and Mandy for five bucks a piece. Oh, nice. You know what else I got? I bought Bringing Out the Dead, the Scorsese film. Because I've never seen it. I have not seen that in like, since it came out, like 20 years ago. So I can't remember if it's any good or not. I, that was, it was released when I was working at that movie theater and I never caught up with it. 
And I think it's supposedly one of those underappreciated Scorsese, Scorsese yeah. gem films. I do want to watch so it again. So I need to catch up with it. And for the record, I have seen this and I loved it. Uh, I like Captain Corelli's Mandolin. I do. Okay. I don't think I've seen that. That's the one with him and Penelope Cruz. Okay. Very, very sweet, touching film. I haven't seen Real it. Real worsting. Yeah. So there you go. So should I buy Mandy? I've been kind of waiting to see if it's going to get the UHD treatment because that's kind of how I want to get yeah. it. But I've been kind of holding off getting it. So I don't know. I was going back and forth on that myself yeah. about getting it because of that. Uh, and I, they know it's like, it's five bucks. Right. You know, it's so I'm just going to pull the trigger. And maybe UHD comes out at some point. I'll reconsider that. Yeah. I, I, there may be an international one. I don't know. And remember, all UHDs are region free. Right. So but I'm, I'm not going to sure. pay like 50 bucks for it either. So. Even if that's it's well in UHD. Yeah, that's part of the issue, right? Because there are a couple uh, UHDs that are coming out that are going to be just imports that I may uh, next month pull the trigger on, like um, get Carter mm. from BFI is getting a UHD treatment mat, which, you know, the, the original Michael Caine one, not the, right. the Stallone remake. I would not pay <laughs> a bunch of money for a UHD of that Stallone film. <laughs> Um, there's something else big too is coming out. Oh, I'm not, I don't know. I shouldn't say big, but, uh, if this was coming out in UHD here, I'd, I'd get it right now. It's the pre-sale. It's 15 bucks on Amazon for the Blu-ray, okay. but there's a UHD, uh, Benedetta oh, is okay. getting a UHD in Europe, but yeah. I'm not about to spend 40, 50 bucks on that. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Decisions, decisions. I like my physical media, but I want it to be in the best format possible. So I end up not buying stuff because I can just keep waiting for it to come out, you know, in, in a better format. Yeah. You can get some that's a, a diabolic DVD has a lot of those UHD imports that way you, you don't have to worry about the crazy expensive shipping costs. If you were to buy them from the UK or right. Germany or whatever, I've also heard too, that the issue with a lot of the German UHDs is that they tend not to be very good though. I understand the German Texas chainsaw 4k is supposed to be phenomenal. Okay. Um, but I have not, Obviously, pull the trigger. That's one that I only have on DVD. I don't know if you ever really... How creative picture do you need on that? That's all mm-hmm. part of that film's aesthetic. Right. But anyway, unbearable weight. What did I... Did we do the grades already? We did. B yeah. minus me, B plus you. We're yeah. good. Uh, playing exclusively in theaters. If you had a chance to see it, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. You know what? I did pre-order for my birthday. Because mm. um, it comes out like a week or two before is the Frank Black and the Catholics complete vinyl set. Oh, all the original albums. Yeah, yeah, pretty excited. Finally. I can tell you how many times I was stalking those things like on eBay or Discogs. Yeah. If I can get them like cheap enough. But they're never... There's only two or three of them that were released on vinyl. And they all go for like 150 bucks a piece. And they were only released on vinyl like in Europe. Right. So now you're paying $40 to ship it over too. Right. So I, I could never do it. But now... Clear vinyl, Matt. All the albums. Except it doesn't include Sunday, Sunny, Mill Valley, which has a couple of my favorite songs on it. Because it was an unreleased album. So, are we done talking about this? I think we are. Let's go ahead <laughs> and move on. And uh, let's play everybody's fill-in-the-blank game. I guess, it, as Matt said, we copyrighted. It's ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, TFR Lips. Whoa, look at that. Another new coffee shop. You see that, Miles? Totally, yeah. You see that one? What's that one called? Foam Party. Foam Party? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, come on. And everyone is just lining up. You see that, Miles? See it. Is that a coffee shop or a disco? <laughs> Dad, you're old, man. Oh. Reports of another mysterious oh. seismic event last night. 
Sources close to Spider-Man say he's looking into the problem. <sighs> Spider-Man. I mean, this guy swings in once a day, zip zap zap in his little mask and answers to no one, right? Yeah, Dad, yeah. And meanwhile, my guys are out there, yeah. lives on the line, uh -huh. no mask. You know, we show our Oh, no. Dad, Dad, speed up, speed up. I know these kids. You know, with great ability comes great accountability. That's not even how the saying goes, Man, Dad. I do like a cereal, though, man. I'll give him that. Oh, my gosh. Don't cops run red lights? Well, yes, some do. But, uh, not your dad. So, we need to do a wellness check here on Matt. Um, we had some disturbing news this past week that the uh, Into the Spider-Verse sequels have been delayed by a year. So the first one's not coming out this year. It's coming out 2023. And then the part two is 2024. So Matt, Into the Spider-Verse sequels being delayed a year is blank. Concerning. Um, although I could also say a good thing, I guess it depends on why they're, they're delaying them. If it's just to kind of give them more polish, um, I'm fine with that. But my concern is, is that some idiot at Sony has decided to start meddling with it and it's causing problems. And like that. Why would you think that? Because they are, they're some of the dumbest people alive. I was not being able to get out of their way with, uh. Mm with their, their Spider-Man properties. It's, uh, oh man, it's, we'll talk about more about Sony later in my list, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned and I love the spider first man. It would, it would kill me if they just ruined it. Yeah. Sorry, pal. I don't know what this is about. I haven't read anything that's specific to it. It's just that it's been delayed. Yeah. And, um, we'll see what happens. I just know you were really, really looking forward to it. I was. And, uh, Nah, we just want to make sure you're all right. Thank you. I appreciate that, Chris. All right. What so um, Batman 2, Shocker of All Shockers, has been officially greenlit. It's going to what? be directed by Matt Reeves and starring Robert Pattinson. So my question to you is, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, hypotheses flowing around, is who is the next villain going to be? So the villain in the Batman 2 will be blank. Ah, that's one of the ones I had for you at the end. I wrote it up today just because, you know, this dropped yesterday. I'm going to say, hmm, I was going to say Harvey Dent, but I think his character will be introduced, but he may not be a villain. Maybe right. that'll be for three. I don't think they're going to go with the Joker. I think they're going to pocket that maybe for three as well. Who knows? So who would be... I guess the the even money, the biggest odds would probably go Court of the Owls. Right. I think that makes the most sense given the universe that Reeves has built. So I would say, uh, particularly, you know, with the story of part one, um, it'd be that or Tommy Elliott Hush. Those are the two I'd go back and forth on. Yeah. Plus Hush and Court of Owls have not been done yet yeah. theatrically. Mm -hmm. So... I think it's interesting and it could be done there. And I think the other odds on favorite is Mr. Freeze, right? People yeah. would like to see what he would do with Freeze. Yeah. But if I had to choose one of those three, I say Court of the Owls. Yeah, I think I would put the Court of the Owls in as my answer. But my secret hope is that it is going to be Mr. Freeze because, folks, Batman the Animated Series, some of the best episodes, my favorite episodes were the Mr. Freeze episodes and the Clayface episodes. And I think you can yeah. do some really good stuff with that if you kind of approach them the right way. Would you go Clayface monster or would you go Clayface just actor guy? Monster. Yeah. Yeah. What about Roz? Does Roz enter the Matt Reeves universe? Ooh, I kind of hope not. 
I mean, I think he, if it goes long enough timeline, I guess it would have to. But I, I kind of, I would never really loved, you know, Rachel Ghoul that much. You know, I think part of the issue too is that that would then be too close to uh, Nolan's run. Right. I don't think they'd want to do that. Right. His, his his character was kind of the through line. I think through all three films. It really. was, yeah. All right, fair enough. I'm gonna jump back over to uh, the Spider Verse. I put my list together. And realize it's all like comic book action stuff. I'm such a hack. <laughs> uh, speaking of newly announced films, Sony is moving forward with Venom Three. Yeah. <sighs> this time, Matt, it'll be about blank. What's going to be happening with the Venom this time out? Uh, um. So there was a. There was. A, a storyline in the I don't know if it was in the Venom comics or the Spider-Man comics where it's like you know he fought Carnage that was his kind of his son the second symbiote that there's for some reason like five or six symbionts like like as and they come after Venom like I don't know if they're from his planet or something but we got to go something different don't we yeah unless you wanted to go something really whacked out and do null the the uh the god of the symbionts <laughs> which is out there um i mean that's something i guess you could do but i don't know like i remember venom in like the 80s and 90s and i never followed up with it apparently there have been different arc you know incarnations of venom but the problem is is i don't know if sony has the rights to any of those characters so like there was um, a Matt Gargan, you know, version of, of Venom, which is the Scorpion, um, where he it kind of affected the Scorpion. Um, there was that kind of melding, and then but Fla- can't, they can't do any non symbiote symbiote characters. What about Scorpion? What about Sandman? What about? Yeah, I don't no. know. How, I really don't know. So I mean, I, I I really don't know. I mean, would you be interested in seeing an Agent Venom, where Flash Thompson becomes a secret agent Venom Venom for the U.S. government? <laughs> No, absolutely. I don't care about any of that stuff. No, yeah. I no, I don't. I have no juice. As we like to say, juice. Yeah, for <laughs> the Venom franchise in any capacity. Part of it too is I, I, Venom to me is a bad guy. Yeah. When I read comics, he was a bad guy. He was not an antihero. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I think even in the comics, they alluded to him like assaulting Mary Jane. Yeah. You know, like, and I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I would want them to go outside of the symbiote realm of villains in some capacity maybe that's what you do is it then you would have craven hunting him mm. that might be interesting you know i i don't know venom versus the sinister six that they're sure I guess. Building, if we can't get spider-man versus yeah, yeah i guess i don't know or new doc ock i don't i don't something hobgoblin we haven't seen a proper hobgoblin let's go with that mm, no we haven't such a mess whatever such a mess <laughs> it is all right. Um, stills from CinemaCon have come out of Margot Robbie as Barbie, and the more mm. I hear about this, the more as I'm, I I'm, I have strange feelings about this film. So I feel blank about the upcoming Barbie film. Now it's directed by Greta, Greta Gerwig, who we like. Um, I like Margot Robbie. Has Ryan Gosling as Ken. I like Ryan Gosling, and it's mm-hmm. co-written by uh, Noah Baumbach. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I, what's your answer, Chris? That blank. Well, it's going up. I guess it's the same release date as uh, the Oppenheimer, Christopher right. Nolan film, too. So it's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting weekend. Yeah. I'm much more interested in it than I am Mattel's other project projects. I guess they announced a Hot Wheels movie. Yeah. Uh, among some other stuff. So 
I don't know. I think that the, with the talent involved, it could be something really fun and interesting and kind of take that whole genre, that whole thing and put it on its head. So I'm interested in the uh, Barbie movie, which is something 15-year-old me or 12-year-old me would be shocked to hear me say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm all in on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously excited, I think. I don't know why, but suddenly it seems like it's something I want to watch. I'm hoping... That it's a pleasant surprise, like in the vein of the Lego movie, which I expected nothing out of, and it was great when I watched it. So, I can't, hopefully this gets released. Did you see, I guess there was a a Flash trailer with new footage, and I guess at some point at the end of the trailer, in full Batman regalia, Keaton says, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. (laughs) And I guess Zod is one of the villains in the film, somehow. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I... Part of me really hopes that the Flash film was one of my favorite characters is really good. Yeah, I'm desperate to see this trailer and that Miller gets clearly the help that he needs. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's probably his last entry, his last foray as the Flash. Yeah. But um, who knows? We'll see what happens. All right. I got two here. I'm not quite sure which one to go with. One of them, I think I know it's a pretty easy answer. So I guess we'll move on to that one. Then, Matt, the Expendables 4 is a film that exists and the tagline is they'll die when they're dead and that is blank stupid that is terrible (laughs) (laughs) that makes absolutely no sense um honestly i have no affection for the expendable movies i never thought there were any of them were any good so i guess i i feel like stallone was like maybe a half hour into after taking his ambient they're like stallone sly we need to we need a tagline and he Came up with that while he was drifting off to sleep. (laughs) That's probably what it is. Yeah, none of those films have been good. None of them. None of them have been good. And you'd think they'd be right in my wheelhouse. I know. Yours too. You were so excited about The Expendables when you heard about the cast. And like you're like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever put to celluloid. And it was was bad. No, it's much more like, you know, Rambo 4 than it is Rambo 2 or First Blood Part 2. Yeah, it's not... Yeah, those things are really just, they're just inert. There's this weird lack of any energy uh, in any of those films. What I do like, though, and somebody pointed this out on Twitter, which I think is hilarious, that they've now made four of these things, and Seagal has not been in any of them. (laughs) (laughs) So you know he must be just impossible. Yeah. All right, (sighs) so we'll wrap this up. So obviously the new Flash is coming out. You know, we've got, in two weeks, we've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You know, we've got Marvel doing their multiverse film. DC is doing, is kind of hotly riding their coattails with uh, the Flashpoint, um, and they're bringing in multiverse as, obviously, Keaton and, you know, uh, Zod, and God knows what else. Affleck's in it, too. Yep. And then uh, Sony has announced that they're doing a Madam Web film. Which, hey, by the way, you know what Madam Web's thing is? The webs of the multiverse, right? So, Oh, sure, why not? Yeah, so Sony and DC Multiverses films, after the success of uh, No Way Home and the anticipation of Multiverse of Madness, will be blank. Well, I think the DC one is interesting because they're basically just going to use it to reboot everything. Mm-hmm. Right, they're going to reset everything. Though I am kind of curious though how that's going to happen now. With the WB Discovery merger thing, because they want to get back to, again, more focused, tied together 
MCU-like content. Of course they do. And uh, so I'm curious to see how that's all going to shake out now. So, uh, but I'm interested in the multiverse stuff for the DC because it has a very rich history in the comics. Though the Warner Brothers and DC has DC Films proper has fumbled all this stuff at every step. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm hopeful that the Flash is a reboot. Everything resets, and then we go from there. We still, I'm very excited for Doctor Fate for you know to show up in that at Black Adam film and yeah. Hawkman and all this other stuff. Yeah. So I think the DC one is going to be more of kind of a reboot situation than it is a focus on an expansion of a multiverse. I think it's a it's an instrument, it's a tool for them than it is like a big plot thing. Yeah. Uh for Sony, who knows? It's it's going to be a disaster. And and what are they they don't own anything outside of Spider-Man, right? So what are they going to do? What's the point of that going to be? Yeah, they have to just stick to bringing in different Spider Men like we did I, with the animated film. I guess, yeah, maybe Spider Gwen, you know, Miles Morales. I really don't know. I don't know how any of that's going to work. It makes no sense to me. But well, you know, yeah. Sony made six hundred and ten million dollars in profit on No Way Home, so they're not giving up that ghost anytime soon. No, and I will say, anytime I can get more Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider Ham, <laughs> uh, I am. I'm interested to see what happens. So, yeah, I don't know. That's my thoughts. I just, yeah, three different things. One is Sony's a desperate attempt to be relevant. DC's using it just as a a reboot tool. And then the MCU is going to explore potentially all these different opportunities. So you tell me which one is a much more fertile ground (laughs) for a cinematic experience. You know. What do you think? I, yeah, I think uh, Sony and DC's. I would say Sony's is definitely going to be a disaster. DC has a high probability of being a disaster. Um, if past, if past in, uh, product is any indication, but what I really want more than anything, other than Sony to just give up and like give Marvel, give Spider-Man back to Marvel full time. I want to see Figi in my, if I could make a, if I had an unlimited number of wishes, I would wish that Figi could, work with dc and marvel so that he could write that ship because they he i don't know anybody else who can do this he seems to only be the only yeah. one who knows what he's doing with this stuff um but it it's so i don't see i want somebody who's a little better than Figi, someone who has his abilities to corral stuff to yeah. hurt to hurt those cats but with a little bit more visual imagination mm. you know so that everything doesn't it. no but they have such a a tight grip on all of those films, you know, that they don't, those directors don't really have a lot of ability to experiment. I will see what Sam Raimi does. I'm curious how he worked in that system, given his history yeah. um, with the Spider-Man films, but I, I don't know. But yeah, I know that's one of the things too, I guess that the WB discovery thing is they want to have a unified vision with a leader to kind of, I just hope it's not Jeff Johns, which again, something if you told me 20 years ago, I'd be I'd crazy to hear me say that I don't want it to be, Jeff Johns, because of course, I guess from what I understand too, he's a horrible person too. Yeah. I guess, but uh, yeah, this is just not it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. Pains me to say. Good times. <laughs> Good times. Did you hear too? As part of that merger, that they canceled all TNT and TBS scripted dramas. Oh really? TNT doesn't know drama anymore. No, it's all going to be sports and reality, I guess, wow. and something. I don't know. No so. word notices. I'm telling you, these, uh, that was USA. Don't, oh, dis- excuse me. Sorry. Anyway, but I like, like, what the, um, what's the 
filmed the Snowpiercer show, which I have not watched at all. Yeah. Uh, any of that kind of stuff. It's gone. Done. That's one thing about these mergers. You know, careful what you wish for, folks. All right. That's it. Fill in the blanks. TFR Libs is done for this week. How would you answer those questions? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. My last one to leave out there for the listeners. Uh, if you want to write in, we curious for your opinion, Matt. 40% of the viewership of Black Widow resulting from piracy is blank. Now, I personally think that's just because of the COVID. Right. But um, I don't know. If you think there's anything deeper than that, shoot us an email uh, and let us know. But how do they measure that exactly? I don't know. Either way. Coming up next week on The Big Show, what's it going to be, Matt? Why don't you tell everybody there? Um, so uh, we're going to watch KHS is going to be Army of One. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have on the docket the next dreadful Liam Neeson outing with uh, Memory, although I'm hoping I can convince Chris to punt and maybe go with the Finnish horror movie called Hatching that is coming out uh, wide. Um, it's going to be playing here, so I got to imagine it's going to be playing down there. Yeah, it is. It is playing here as well. And I think it's like like 83 minutes or yeah. 84 minutes. Too. Maybe I'll squeeze in both because part of me wants to... Well, I, I'm interested about Memory, though I guess maybe it would make more sense to sit on it and wait because, I mean, think about it. I think it's 2006 all over again. It's directed by Martin Campbell, stars Liam Neeson, Guy Pearce, and Monica Bellucci, right? I mean, it, I don't know. Just 15, <laughs> 16 years ago, I would have been all about this thing. Sure. So, uh, yeah, who knows? And it ties in, unfortunately, to our top five, but we could always change that as well. True. I did, I did add some stuff to the calendar, so it would be the five best films of the aughts. Uh, but still, we'll have to see. Good times. In the meantime, check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I guess that's going to be it for this week. So why don't you all take care of yourselves? We love you very much. And uh, we will see you soon. Shoot him again. What? Fool. His soul's still dancing. <laughs>